Hello, everyone. Ted Schmitz, Vent City. I want to uh, take a second in light of some recent events to talk to you about some people that we've lost who are very good and important figures for us as a skateboard community, for us as individual skaters, for me as myself. Just a few weeks ago, I had the displeasure of writing a rip in peace post for the departed Vincent Nava. It was obviously a tragedy very young, very bright future ahead of him. And over the years, I think a lot of us have had this thought. Um, it hurts a lot when they're very young, but even the oldest among the skaters who have left, it hurts. And I think part of the reason that hurts is because every single case that it's ever happened has been premature. Skating is very young. And because of that, if you just look at where we sort of started to get to cultural edge, some sort of identity as ourselves as skaters, you know, that really, that doesn't put anybody past the, the sort of average life expectancy of uh, anyone in America or the developed countries around the world. So these hurt, right? And it's just that they, they kind of remind us of so much of the other stuff that, that skating is a response to, you know, it's these as much as we want it to, the, uh, skateboarding is of the world. And so the things that happen in the world, however tragic and awful, um, they will show up in the lives of skateboarders. And so I want to take a second to talk about Keith Huffnagel, who is a man that I did not know, but whose skating I liked very much and who was a cool dude to my friends who had met him. He was, you know, a friend, a mentor, you know, a lot has been said about this by people who are closer, but uh, what I hope to do at least is to speak for the fans to the fans and to say, you know, kind of how do you appreciate the life of somebody that you don't know who never did anything directly to or against you? And so I'd like to look at how taking in his DVS skate more part, albeit, you know, not his most acclaimed part, had some unexpectedly positive consequences in my life, uh, both kind of large and small. And to see how that frame can, you know, grow our appreciation, connect us with uh, other skaters and professionals and our community members. And I think that if we look at some of the ways that those influences have kind of ended up having, you know, an effect on the different trajectories that we take, we can see not only do the people that we've lost do the cliche of living on through us, but also how we have made them part of ourselves as they have brought us real and lasting and evolving brightness in our lives. Um, so let's talk about Huff. I'm 32, and although Real to Real was of my formative years canon, nobody in my neighborhood, or nobody I knew, had it until about 2006. It was one of those videos that just kind of missed it. And so I first saw him uh, in one of my first 4 and ones Played a game of skate. Rick won. Oh, Huff got better. Then we got chased out by the cops. Got robbed from my grip tape. Now we're going to go somewhere else. 
but it was a day in the life and uh it was him you know just skating with rick howard and scott johnston and and kind of just doing regular skate stuff and i and you know it, it didn't have maybe a massive impact on me but you know there he was very you know some months into my skating um and then i saw him in dan wolf's closure living in sf and filming with cairo foster turned into working on the reel to reel video closure was great um it gave me some of the stuff from reel to reel uh that i wouldn't experience in full like i said until about 2006 but the first ever full part that i saw from him it wasn't you know obviously if i didn't have reel to reel it wasn't nonfiction or penal code it was dvs's skate more and i'll admit i know that's a very weird way to start his singular body of work it's not uh typically uh people's video of choice but anyways, that's how I came to him. You know, it was a big video at the time and, and I, you know, it was 2005 and I was in high school and we were at the skate shop. And so we watched it and I, you know, I liked what he was putting down and the things that everyone knows and reveres about Huff for obvious reasons kind of stood out to me, you know, the pop, the power, the distilled raw energy. But what for me at that time really stood out, what was kind of wrapped into the part, it was the song. You may recall it. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. It was Ratatat 17 Years. I had just heard that song maybe a few months prior. I had it on my iPod and it was sort of a staple in kicking off, you know, kind of an, a moving phase in, in music in my life. You know, it was around the time that I was uh, getting into Interpol through BA uh, or Joy Division through MJ. And that sort of that sort of phase that was like, post toy video soundtrack you know pop punk and anyway that song that that ratatat song in that in that video is one of the first times where i was like oh i already listened to this music and this music is now showing up in the thing that i'm taking in so it just sort of like cemented it as you know this thing that i could just take in right and i could just feel joy with it you know as a teenager it doesn't have like a lot of control or a lot of joy um it became something that was pretty important to me and and finally i could see you know good skating to a song i loved all of it is just good and so ratatat became a thing for me and and huff along with them and sometime around that video i saw that they were touring so i i I went and I saw them play at the Rhythm Room and it was a fine time and it, it was, you know, nice. I was 17 and I was excited to hear some electronic music made with guitars. And it was it was in my hometown. I had never been to the venue. And the most special thing about that isn't the show really or the music that I took in that night, but it was that I attended it with my fellow skaters who, you know, I fell in love with and who were, who were down to go to shows. And so naturally from that experience, it then... It, it then kind of helped build the habit of going to more shows. So naturally I got deeper kind of in the scene with the types of skaters who were active with their music fandom. And so it was part of this broadening up of my world. Eventually Ratatat fell out of rotation. Uh, but as that happened, uh, another kind of big shift in my taste happened. I started to get into, you know, kind of like big hip hop, I guess you could say, you know, Kanye and Jay-Z, obviously Baker 3 helped with a lot of that. And 
most importantly, you know, it, he was big for everyone who was kind of like uh, in that kind of twee curious zone, but was like kind of uh, also, you know, taking in bigger pop influences. Uh, I listened to Kid Cudi in no small part to him having a collaboration with Ratatat. I'm on the pursuit of happiness and I know everything is shining on. That album was just fucking huge. I still like it. So this thing, this influence, uh, this thread, it, it changes a little bit, but it still holds through. And I can look at it. There I am in 2005 taking in Huff's slow-mo back nose grind and the staples that made him the ledge that he is. And then there I am in the rhythm room in 2006 following the energy from the, the storm that that influence had. And then there it is again, 2008. I'm listening to Cuddy in the car with my friends. And in 2010, I get my first Digicam. I make one of my first edits to Up, Up, and Away. And from there, I want a VX. And then I go to film school. And and so these influences are part of these kind of like very good parts of my life and of our lives as skaters. I'm sure I'm not alone in this. And I'm not saying that I am where I am or whatever because of Keith Huffnagel's least acclaimed part I, I more want to focus on, you know, that thread that I was talking about that we might not notice until we kind of like look back on and, and kind of ask ourselves as fans of people who, you know, we've never met. So I'm, I'm asking myself, did this person touch my life or were they just a collection of stylish moves you know, flashing on the screen, following up Mikey Taylor or something? Well, again... We can still hold on to that thread because years after I had even thought about Ratatat and a decade after the last time I had seen the DBS video, I had recently started working a terrible job. I would start my day with a 30-minute commute and I would go to a large office building and stare at spreadsheets of postal building inspections and I would see the progress reports on whether or not the postmaster had signed off on letting an inspector come through to take pictures of the equipment so that they could then pass that information on to the landlord. So the landlords had a good idea of their condition of their buildings that the post office used. Fairly unfulfilling work considering my interests. It hurt my soul and I was just losing days feeling so fucked. And I loosely remember coming home and hearing the Kids See Ghost project between Kanye and Kid Cudi with one of the guys from Ratatat producing. I'm so, I'm so reborn. I'm moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Ain't no stress on me, Lord. I'm moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And I could take a fucking breath for a second. And I still love that music. But I remember I had such an important time with this song. And I didn't think about any of that in the moment. I wasn't looking back to say, oh, thank you, Huff, for giving me, you know, the gift of Kid Cudi. Um, you know, some of you may not even like his music, but, you know, the, the, there are other avenues and ways these things uh, move through us. Maybe Heart took a certain direction for you. Or maybe you saw a photo of Huff uh, with an ollie and it, it, it inspired you to take more of an interest in photography or maybe his streetwear entrepreneurial stuff kind of struck you. It, it doesn't matter. He had so many avenues and, and for somebody 
who has such a versatile portfolio as a pro skater, the ways in which he could inspire are so myriad. But the influences that we take with us, they stay and they change with us in ways that we might not see or imagine. And so outside of my personal feelings around the redemptive nature of Kid Cudi's music or how Huff helped me have an open mind to it, I, I also just want to say a point that a friend of mine said that I think is really good, so much so that I'm going to steal it to, to say to you. It fucking hurts. Just the idea of losing someone of such standard and high regard. But there's only so much you can do with it, with that hurt and that pain. So there's this other thing. There, there's something that the loss can help us with and, and, and that we can maintain with us and bring into our regular lives. It's that business of the cliche of living on through us. And a little bit of my thoughts on the thread of energy or stoke or whatever comes into it now that I think about it. But, you know, we lost a real one, obviously. But you can look so easily, so close to him to see how his influence has spread. And you can see that we have people who shimmer with parts of his spark. We still have Businitz's and Max's Palmer and Yalti's and Bobby's. You know, good posture, quick pop, the force of a fucking steam engine. Look around and you will see that energy spread out. And in light of the loss, we can more fully appreciate not only the parts and the photos that are left behind, but also the people that he helped prop up and are still here with us in the present. He was a really good fucking skater and my heart breaks for anybody who knew him.
Well, in the interest of getting this show out sooner and um, also letting you all hear that entire track in full, that beautiful song by Roar, I'm just going to shout out everybody, uh, the the generous souls who keep the show going on our ProFlow tier on Patreon.com. Uh, to support the show, you can go to Patreon.com slash VentCity. But let me do credits first. Typically, our credits music is by the wonderful Alana Bryan, I-L-A-N-A dot B-R-Y-N-E on Instagram or naivetracks.bandcamp.com. That's tracks with an X. Logo and graphic design is by Michael Warfel, W-O-R-F-U-L, and the intro and credits on this uh, short special episode is by Roar, R-O-A-R. You can find them on any of your streaming apps. So to everyone uh, who I got Taco Bell for last week, I just want to say thank you again for your continued support. It means a lot. It helps the time that I spend in front of this microphone much more uh, pleasant and enjoyable, uh, knowing that I don't have to immediately shut it off and go drive Lyft after. So Sean Hannafin, thank you. Sean Doyle, you're incredible. Thank you. Lars Garvey-Lang Peterson, I love your name. I love you. Thank you. Neil Shoemaker, wonderful work. Thank you. Brian Higgins, you're one of the greats. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Stone Friesen, absolutely wonderful character. 10 out of 10. Would recommend to anybody. I think you live in Canada. That sounds wonderful. Evan Cunningham, top tier. Seriously, top tier person. Luke Whitford, again, on that top tier as well. I mean, this is literally the top tier. Cameron Jimmo, wonderful soul. Thank you for your support. Betsy Gordon, it's been nothing but an absolute privilege and honor to have our ongoing support from you and our communications uh, as we've had you on the show and as uh, different members of the cast have been in contact with you. You are a wonderful person to have in the skateboard community. We thank you all. You are all such wonderful people. Thank you.